This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. Going into the year two, we understand a lot of those things necessary to be competitive and win games. Now it's how do you do it week in and week out. The Tigers travel to Orlando to face Florida State in the season opener. Touchdown, Mighty Tigers! Coach Kelly is coming up, but first, from inside the Capital One studio on the campus of LSU, here are your hosts, former Tiger, Gordy Rush, and the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Good Monday morning, Tiger fans, and well, welcome into game week. We're now headed into the season. Opener coming up for LSU Fighting Tiger football. We'll kick off this Sunday night from Orlando, Camping World Stadium. Number eight, Florida State takes on your number five ranked Fighting Tigers of LSU. And again, it's 730 Eastern kick, 630 Central. And to say there is excitement for the season would be a massive understatement. Welcome into the Capital One Studios. Gordy Rush and I will lead you up to Coach Kelly's opening comments at the top of the hour from the Lawton Room at Legendary Tiger Stadium. And Gordy, here we are. Anticipation, of course, will continue to build this week, but in less than seven days, Boot meets ball, and LSU takes to the field. What, what a ball game this is going to be. LSU number five in both polls. Florida State number eight, a rematch of uh, an ugly football game, but it was, a, it was a closely contested game in New Orleans a year ago. Florida State won that game over LSU 24-23, uh, a blocked field goal from the Tigers, blocked extra point LSU had. And, of course, they fumbled the uh, the punt there, and as a game that – uh, LSU didn't play well, but uh, certainly had a chance to win at the end. Absolutely. Florida State, we'll talk more about the Seminoles and their preview coming up in just a bit, but they went 10-3 and last year, uh, went 5-3 and in the ACC. They capped it off with a 35-32 win over Oklahoma in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. LSU, of course, <laughs> went 10-4. and uh, They went 6-2 and in the SEC. They won the SEC West, and, of course, the Tigers decimated Purdue to finish the season in the Cheez-It Bowl. 63 to 7. The irony is both teams will meet this year in the stadium they finished their seasons in. Pop-Tarts Bowl was also at Camping World Stadium as was the Cheez-It Bowl. And you mentioned last year's game. Of course, Florida State had a warm-up. Mm-hmm. LSU opened the season in that matchup in New Orleans. And I think for both programs, both fan bases, there were a lot more questions going into 2022 than maybe for both teams going into this year, which I think is the beauty of this matchup because both of these teams at least from the preseason and those who follow the sport, think that these two teams could make some noise, not only in their respective conferences, but possibly uh, on the national scene. So now it's not as many questions for the Seminoles and Tigers. It's who maybe can uh, go out there and execute the best, uh, have the best game plan, and ultimately come out on top. Absolutely. Look, this is a 180 uh, of last year's game. Florida State returned 77 players from a year ago, and this time – day and age of the transfer portal and everything else. It's rare that you see that. They have seven starters on the offensive side, return eight starters on the defensive side. LSU, much the same. A lot of people that played meaningful football. So veteran leadership, you have continuity. Both teams uh, return the same head coach, coordinators, and again, rare in this day and age. You see that. So you have two veteran ball clubs that are going to tee it off on Sunday night, primetime, Labor Day weekend. Let's talk about LSU a little bit in this opening segment. And again, you mentioned the returners coming back. We'll start on offense. Obviously, a lot of uh, skill players coming back with experience. You've got uh, Jaden Daniels, 
who we saw progress as the season went on. He put on a show in New Orleans, mm-hmm. scrambling and making plays and, and, and rallying back the Tigers. But we saw him really mature, I felt like, and get more comfortable with A, his teammates, and B, the, the offensive scheme. Uh, and all is expected for him to take a major step forward. The good news is for Jaden, if he just takes his step forward, he's got players around him uh, at the receiver as well as uh, we hope the running back and not to mention the offensive line. So offensively, right. what does it look like to you over the last couple of weeks for fall camp? Well, let's start with Jane Daniels, who's put on 15 pounds. He spent the whole summer throwing the ball and, and getting more comfortable with Mike Denbrock's offense. We saw some of that in the bowl practices and uh, played very well uh, against Purdue, and he only uh, I think he only improved from that and, and looks has looked really sharp in, in fall practice. But, Chris, I think the storyline on the offensive side of the ball is when you look at Mike Denbrock, in his past and, and what he's done as an offensive coordinator and you look at what uh, Brian Kelly has done and, and his past, they want to be able to go to the power running football game when they need to do that. And last year, it was a new offensive line, wasn't a deep offensive line. At, at, sometimes there, there were just two running backs that were available and you had Mason Taylor tight end. This year, you return your offensive line intact. You have probably two, maybe three deep that you're comfortable with, seven to eight running backs in that running back stable now, and you added three tight ends to go along with Mason Taylor. So when LSU wants to run the football, they're going to have bodies to do that. They're going to have experience to do that. And at times, uh, both coaches have used a one running back, two tight end, a 12 personnel to do that. They have tight ends to do that now. You mentioned that. Uh, Will Campbell, Charles Turner, and Emory Jones uh, started together in 10 games last year. And again, overall, LSU had to use multiple combinations. But as you say, it all starts at the point of attack, and they'll have depth there. They've got experience, and they've got huge talent, obviously. Uh, The running back, you bring it up. It is a very deep room. Coach Kelly said really before fall camp began, back to SEC media days, is there's a lot of talent there. There's some experience there. Somebody's got to kind of make that separation. Maybe one or two guys make that separation. Obviously, maybe we'll get some answers during the press conference from Coach today, but from what you've heard, from what you can tell, has that been done as of today, or are we expecting maybe to see a heavy rotation at least early in the year? I think you'll see a lot of Noah Kane start. I mean, and the thing about Noah Kane, he's been healthy. I remember Noah Kane was the transfer from Penn State when he got the LSU. I don't think he was 100%. That knee is fully re- rehabilitated, and he's gone through spring. He's gone through summer. He's gone through fall camp. Logan Diggs comes in, uh, former Rumble Raider that uh, signed with Notre Dame. He transferred. And, of course, Josh Williams is coming off of injury. Armani Goodwin is coming off of injury. John Emery started a little late but is out there now, and you you throw in a a host of good-looking freshmen. You have a lot of bodies, but I think 21 Noah Kane is going to get the start for LSU, and that's what I expect Coach Kelly to say today. Well, again, Jaden Daniels last year was the leading rusher overall for this team, so we're expecting to see uh, one of the running backs kind of take the bull by the horns. From the receiver side, you return your leading receiver in the league neighbors. Also, once again, a very deep and talented room. And we had a chance to take in the scrimmage a couple of weeks ago, and it was really the most challenging part for us was keeping up with the wide receiver rotation on both the first and second teams. They go 10 deep. They, they, they can play a lot of folks out there at wide receiver. I, I think one of the big things to watch is Malik Neighbors moving to the slot. And, Chris, we saw that 
in the bowl game against Purdue, just how effective he could be uh, working out of the slot, getting him the ball quickly in space, being able to use him on the end around. We saw that go for a touchdown in, in that bowl game. Uh, you really, it's a place where he can really display his athleticism on the outside speed to burn. Uh, Kyron Lacey, more of a possession receiver, but when I talk speed, Chris Hilton Jr., a former state 400 champion over at Zachary High School is out there. Shelton Sampson is a true freshman. He's going he's gonna to be special in due time. Brian Thomas Jr. from Walker High School, another big ex-wide receiver that can go up and get it. So much talent back there, and they go three deep at receiver. Let's talk about defense a little bit. Obviously, the headline is Harold Perkins Jr. There's even some preseason, Gordy, that say he might be able to make a case for a Heisman challenge uh, in 2023 of course Harold one of the star returners but up front LSU again much like the offensive line I think there's talent there's experience and maybe a little more depth than we've seen I, I believe the the statistic was that uh, Jay Roy Jaqueline Roy and uh, Wingo last year played over 90 percent of the snaps at defensive tackle you remember the SEC championship game LSU Georgia LSU's driving on the first drive and Georgia subbed out five of their front seven after six plays yeah just to give you an idea, I think what elite depth in the SEC looks like. LSU is approaching that now, and they have numbers at every position. I, I think one of the, the, the focus points from jumps going to be the linebacker play. You mentioned Harold Perkins Jr., who has moved from essentially nickel outside linebacker to inside linebacker. And in my opinion, this might be the best linebacker duo in the country. Omar Spates comes in from Oregon State. And Chris, uh, he's special. He looks the part. 6'4", yeah, 230-something, coming off the bus. A big, physical, strong side middle linebacker. All the coaches tell you, hey, if you're, if you're going to be a good football team, you got to be good down the middle. And these might be the best two inside linebackers in the country. Again, a lot of people would say the question mark, if there is, would be in the secondary. And I think more so specifically to the corners. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that's been a theme, if you've listened to the coaches, Matt House and, of course, Coach Kelly, is that the talent is there. And, again, some of these guys from the portal have done things at other places, but what will it be like when the lights are on in a top-ten matchup? But it's not as if there's not talent. But we'll just have to see uh, come Sunday. Well, Deuce Chestnut, I, I think, is, starts with me, all ACC performer from Syracuse. He sat out the spring. He was rehabbing an injury of him, uh, himself, but had a good summer session. Has looked good in fall camp. Zai Alexander's played a lot of football at Southeastern Louisiana. He comes over. They played a lot of uh, Southeastern. I'm very familiar. Played a lot of man-to-man -man over there in the Southland Conference. So he's he's got good man skills. And then a, a name that's kind of been a little bit surprised out of corner has been Sage Ryan. And Sage Ryan was the backup nickel behind Greg Brooks. They got a little thin out there at corner. Ryan, the former five-star talent out of Lafayette Christian, has really played well at the cornerback position. Now, lastly, I think there is some experience, as everybody knows, from the safety position. Mm -hmm. But again, you, you mentioned the nickel. That That's I mean, that's almost every team in America now based on the offenses in college football. You're going to see a nickel package a right. lot more than maybe you did 10 years ago. Uh, but in the middle, on the back end of the defense, what do you see? Well, they, they were a little light depth-wise, but they returned two key players. Major Burns, healthy. He was he was banged up a year ago. Greg Brooks, we talked about how valuable he was a year ago. He plays the nickel, and he's very versatile. He can play a lot of positions. But a, a name and to, to keep track of, Andre Sam. Played, started off at McNeese State, played at Marshall, 
was on his way to Miami before LSU was able to get him to switch and, and come here, is going to be a, a vital part of this defense and, and really has had an outstanding fall. So I think they have some quality there. They have to learn to play together a little bit. Not quite the depth that you want, I, I think, in, in the SEC, but you're happy with the first three guys that you have. And we mentioned continuity being a theme. Coaching staff and also with this, uh, with this team in general and, and special teams. Good to know there. There's a lot of continuity. Long snapper, kicker, and punter. Yeah, I think that's huge. You, you return all of your battery, your, your most important places, and the special teams. Um, and, and I think the big news is they went and got an, uh, a, uh, a kicker, a punt returner in Aaron Anderson. I've got several people that can return it, but Anderson's really been outstanding. Anderson was a product from Louisiana, from Edicar High School. He signed with Alabama, came back through the transfer portal, He's listed at 5'8", 190. That's a, that's a generous 5'8", Chris. But he is explosive in the uh, not quite trending holiday straightaway speed, but he's got hips. He can move, and he's going to be fun to watch back there on punt returns. You're like the 18th person that's told me, look out, that Aaron Anderson oh, no. can make some plays on special teams. Again, coming up at high noon, we'll head to the Lawton Room. Coach Brian Kelly with the first official press conference leading into game number one. LSU and Florida State coming up on Sunday night. Again, 7.30 Eastern kick, 6.30 right here in the Central Time Zone. Take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a look and find out what Gordy knows about the Seminoles of Florida State. It's the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One. Coach Kelly is just moments away from previewing the week for the Fighting Tigers. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference presented by Capital One. Once again, here are Gordy and Chris. Back with you for a couple of moments before we hand it off. Coach Brian Kelly, who will be entering the Lawton room in probably about four minutes uh, or so. So, Gordy, that gives us a few moments to talk about Florida State. Obviously, as we mentioned, 17 starters returning. There were seven on offense, eight on defense. Offensively, it obviously starts with Travis Jordan, the quarterback who we saw in the game last season. Much like Jaden Daniels, there's some talk coming into this year that he may be a part of the Heisman race. Um, you also got a returning rusher in Trey Benson, who finished, I think, uh, in the top five in a number of categories, running the football for the Seminoles, and then a couple of big receivers also returning. So kind of the theme we said, LSU with some continuity, Florida State the same. Mike Norvell has been a, a great offense, uh, offensive coach wherever he's been. He was an offensive coordinator at Tulsa and Arizona State before he got the head job at Memphis, had a great run at Memphis, and has brought that to Florida State. Look, when, when you talk about the job that he's done uh, at, in Tallahassee, the cupboard was bare. This is his fourth season. He played a lot of young people, and now he's start, starting to see the fruits, uh, you know, playing uh, such a young roster as most of the two deep are juniors and seniors. So 18 and 16 over at Florida State. He's a uh, a spread wants to run the football, but if you come up and and uh, you're going to put people up in the box, he will throw it out over the top. And you bring up a great point. Johnny Wilson is a size, just a nightmare for you at 6'5", 6'6". Big receiver, can make plays. We saw that a year ago in the Superdome. They had a fantastic season last year. It hit a lull a little bit in the middle of the ACC uh, season. Lost a wake uh, at home turned around and lost at NC State, and then lost to Clemson in Tallahassee, and then got hot and ran the, the table the rest of the way and beating Oklahoma in that uh, Pop-Tart Bowl, I believe is what you came up with. But nice 10-3 and three season, and so Mike Norvell certainly has done some good things there. They're recruiting well. Uh, both programs on the similar trajectories. Again, last year, you go back to that matchup, 
in New Orleans in that first half. I guess it depends on what lens you're looking through. Well, Florida State's defense looked good. LSU couldn't get things going. Uh, I don't know how much of that was LSU. Also, all the newness uh, in their first time out. But in the second half, they were able to attack Florida State. Again, with eight returners on defense, I don't suspect they'll be any different as far as overall scheme. No, absolutely. You know, I remember I, I went back and looked at the halftime score. I forgot it was 7-3 to three Florida State, and it, it was much uglier than that. I remember Coach Kelly, this was my first halftime interview with him, and he was pretty he was pretty blunt. <laughs> they were terrible in, in that first half. Uh, Jane Daniels was running for his life. Defensively, there were numerous breakdowns and run responsibilities, run fits, and they cleaned that up, had a chance to, to win. But this is a, this is a different team. Let's go to Coach Brian Kelly for the press conference. Certainly exciting to be uh, here in front of you. Uh, uh, another college football season is uh, upon us, and um, we certainly have picked uh, a great matchup. Um, LSU and Florida State, top 10 matchup in, in week one, and um, we knew that this uh, day would be coming. It's the only game on Sunday. Uh, on ABC, it's just a, a great uh, challenge for our football team, and they've been looking forward to this uh, this challenge. It's it's what motivates you in the off season. Um, all the things that you do to prepare for uh, for a great game like this uh, all comes to uh, fruition on Sunday. Um, look, I, I could I could talk for quite a long time about. You know our football team and and the develop of our team. Um, you know I think you look at some of the things that are really important, and that is where we've improved uh, from last year. Is just uh, overall we're a smarter football team. Uh, we understand the systems, we understand the process, we understand the things necessary to become more consistent. Uh, and, and everything that we do to be a championship football team, and that is, um, you know, right down to the smallest of details. Uh, this is a hard thing to do, to be consistent in anything in life, and our guys clearly understand that a lot better than they did coming into the season last year. Um, we've made improvements in the technical development of our football team, the tactical development. Physically, we're better. I think mentally we're, we're better as a football team. Um, now you've got to go out and execute. And so, you know, we've been pre preparing um, since uh, the last game we've played. Uh, and, and now we'll see what this team does when it comes time to perform. I have no idea. I know they've prepared really well, and my experience tells me that teams that prepare well, uh, when they flip the switch to performance, uh, that they can and will perform well. We're going to go against a great op uh, opponent in Florida State. Coach Norvell's done a great job in, in bringing this program into elite status, um, and they've got great players, uh, and it'll be a great challenge and an exciting challenge for our football team. Um, and, and so we're going we're gonna to get that opportunity um, to put on display um, all the things that I've just mentioned that we've been working on. You're also going to get a chance to see some great playmakers. Um, you know, Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels, I mean, two great quarterbacks, two elite quarterbacks that can make things happen. Uh, Jalen and, and Jordan, two guys that um, can run, can throw, um, elusive. Um, you're going to see some great wide receivers. Um, Guys that can go make plays on both sides of the ball. 
Um, certainly um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, Harold Perkins, Jared Verse, you're going to see two elite defensive players. Um, so it's, it's exciting playmakers. Um, you're going to see two football teams that, uh, you know, want to be physical at the point of attack. Um, you know, two teams that want to run the football and, and can run the football. So, um, you know, you might be looking at two teams that, that mirror each other in a lot of ways. So, you know, pretty exciting, you know, when you talk about uh, a top ten matchup and two teams that are putting a lot of playmakers on the field. And the great part about it is, you know, we're going to be very healthy uh, from, from that perspective. Um, you know, when, when we uh, announced, um, you know, a month or so ago about uh, injuries, we told you we'd let you know, you know, what that looked like. And so, you know, we've got three guys on the injury list. Uh, Amani Goodman, uh, Goodwin will be listed as doubtful. Um, uh, Kimo will be listed as questionable. And Josh um, will be listed as, as probable, Josh Williams. Um, so three guys on the, um, the injury list, and, and we'll have one player unavailable to us, and that's Mason Smith. So, um, and I think that Mason's situation has been uh, addressed. Um, so, exciting playmakers on the field. Um, nationally televised game, top 10 teams, preseason, all of that. Uh, it's it's going to come down to, um, you know, the execution uh, of the littlest things. And as you guys know, uh, it came down to that the last time we played. Um, you know, fielding the football cleanly, um, executing extra points, all those things mattered, and, and they'll matter again uh, in this kind of matchup. Also, a couple other things to point out that we didn't uh, get a chance to talk about in front of us. We... Uh, internally, um, we, we have a history and tradition of awarding jerseys uh, within the program, the number 18 jersey, which um, um, signifies and, and uh, exemplifies um, the, the character traits necessary uh, for that person to wear 18. He's got to have uh, the leadership capabilities. He's got to represent uh, incredible traits uh, and um, somebody that uh, really is going to wear that jersey um, both on and off the field and representing LSU football. And that number 18 went to Makai Wingo. I'm really proud of him. And, and the number seven jersey, um, we went in a little bit of a different direction. And again, uh, I'm quite aware of the history and tradition behind number seven. Uh, defensive backs and playmakers have worn that and, and certainly respect um, all those that have worn it um, and have represented it in such a admirable way and, and has a great tradition history. I'm not trying to make new history, a new tradition. Um, we just felt our, our playmaker this year um, uh, and, and deserved uh, the recognition, even though he was an offensive lineman, we think that they're an important part. We did not want seven to be just about a particular position. We wanted seven to be part of our team. and. You know, we felt that playmaker was, uh, was Will Campbell. So Will will wear number seven as a patch on his jersey. As we know, an offensive tackle can't wear the number seven. But um, the, the spirit of the number still um, is, is about what 
it should be, uh, and that is uh, somebody that uh, represents uh, the, the jersey as a playmaker, somebody that is um, um, certainly um, a guy that um, we can count on and, and represents our program in, in a positive way. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about that. Um, we'll be announcing captains here um, after practice, uh, so we'll have captains. Uh, we'll make an announcement on that. I want to talk to our team first about captains, and then we'll, we'll get that out to you uh, relative to our captains. Uh, today is a day off for our football team, um, and uh, they're in a recovery day today, so it's a voluntary day for them to be around the building. Um, so from, from that standpoint, uh, whether you get it today or, or tomorrow, uh, it'll be imminent relative to the captains uh, of our football team. And um, that's kind of the, the, the housekeeping items uh, that I had relative to um, uh, internally within the program. So again, excited about this matchup, um, going back to Orlando where we played. Uh, in, in the Cheez-It Bowl, and uh, our guys are familiar with uh, Florida State, obviously, have a great deal of respect for, for their program, and, you know, this is a team that's, that's won six in a row, and, um, again, uh, excited to get the, the college football season going. So with that, we'll open it up to questions. Is this like, is this in memory of Leah that she's moved on? I mean, I feel like she's, somebody can sit in her chair. I mean, it's like. She might just be late. It's eerie, you know. She, she was good, but I mean, she went to Texas. She could be late. Is what I uh, no, she's not late. She sent me a note in $10, so we know she's not coming back. I was uh, just curious what the run game has looked like offensive line and running back wise in fall camp compared to maybe where y'all were a year ago? Yeah, I think, you know, and that's a good question. I mean, we've been trying to get the running back rotation down. As you know, we've had a number of running backs that, that you know, have been in and out of the lineup. You know, we mentioned Josh is in a really good position. Uh, Amani is not. Um, you know, and, and uh, another guys have been fighting to get back to full strength, which we are. So, trying to get consistency at the running back positions, which we think we are getting there. I think the biggest improvement has been the ability um, of our offensive line to gain the continuity up front, having five guys working together consistently, and then the ability to adjust um, after the snap. As you know, this game is played after the snap. There's so much moving. There's so much stemming. Um, the ability to communicate um, and do the things necessary after the snap, we're so much further along than we were at any time last year. And so uh, that's encouraging moving forward. Yeah, Brian, your, uh, your special team, especially your return game, uh, how's that look going into the season since I know last year had some trouble early in the year? Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're going to go with um, a, a True freshman and Caleb Jackson as the off returner, uh, and um, you know I, I think um, you know having you know uh, a dynamic player um, at, at the other side. Um, who am I missing? Who's my dynamic player? Aaron. A yeah, Aaron. 
<laughs> he's pretty dynamic. Um, he, he'll be he'll be the on-ball returner uh, and our punt returner. Um, it, it's just a different look back there. Um, now they they got to field the ball. They've got to be able to do the little things the right way. But uh, from a special team standpoint, you know that that's what we were looking for. Um, our miscues last year were, were evident, right? We didn't field the ball very well. Um, but that coupled with, you know, uh, Damon Ramos has been outstanding, you know, with field goals throughout camp. Um, and and uh, Jay Bramlett has been a weapon. We, we think special teams should and can be um, uh, a positive force and, and influence games. Hey, Coach, at the start of uh, the offseason, Malik made some decisions you said you were disappointed in. From that point forward in the last six months or so, how has he led or uh, bounced back from that? And what do you see out of him entering this year in a stadium where the last time we saw him, he was pretty incredible? Yeah. Um, he's matured. Uh, like you would hope that any young man, after having some adversity, um, you know, would learn from that. And, uh, you know, I, I actually said to him yesterday um, where he is today based upon where he was last year is, is night and day. And that's just the growth, being in the program, making the right choices, um, you know, learning too. I mean, part of this is being, I know we use the word coachable, but coachable in life too, right? Um, you know, Taking, um, you know, advice about how to do things on a day-to-day -day basis and, and making good choices and decisions, not only just on the football field but off the field. And so proud of his, his personal growth and development, and it's going to serve him well um, this season. We're going to see the kind of growth that he's had off the field, on the field as well. Hey, Brian, last time we saw Sage Ryan, he was injured in the scrimmage, um, wasn't on the injury report, presume he's okay, but can you give us an update on Sage? And then is the plan to keep him at, at cornerback or make him a little more versatile? He's going to be versatile. He's, he's fine. Um, had a, you know, and again, I hate to uh, use terms and, and with, with the appearance that I'm, I'm trying to make them seem less than they are, but it was a stinger, um, and, but it, it cleared up and, and he was able to, to get back into um, practice the next day. Um, but we are going to use him both at the nickel and corner position. So he, he's been cross-trained. A lot of the technical work has been at corner uh, because he knows the nickel position really well. Um, but he's one of our fastest players. You know, he's, he's typically in, you know, when we're talking about GPS speed, he's typically in the, in the high 21 range, and he's topped out at 22. So he can run. He's smart. Um, but I think the thing that has separated him is his ability to tackle in space. So, you know, he's going to play to the field, um, and I think he gives us um, some great flexibility. Hey, Coach, you've talked throughout, you've talked throughout the offseason, throughout camp, about in the backfield how much of a factor experience could be. Josh Williams kind of emerged last year, and has just been around the program for a while. Has he kind of become a leader in that group, just a leader in the offense? He's always been a leader. Uh, last year, his leadership skills were on display. 
Um, he does everything the right way uh, relative to he's uh, you can count on him. You know, he's 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 a guy that you want to follow. And so a lot of the young guys, uh, Holly and Jackson, follow him. Um, if they stick around and, and do what Josh does, they're going to be in great shape. Um, so he's continued on uh, with that. He's, he's an important part of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis and an important part of our success, yes. Hey, Brian. Uh, you talked a little bit about the continuity of the offensive line. Just a, a two-parter here. First, um, compared to last year at this time, going into game week preps, uh, you, you guys, I assume you're a little better off, obviously. But if, if you do have your eight or nine together, compared to last year, if you have your eight or nine set, do they have enough time to make a move uh, before now on game day? Yeah, I mean, there, there's not going to be much of a change. I think down the road as we continue to move, you could see some movement within that top six, seven. Um, that's very um, – reasonable to expect that there could be some movement there and that's obviously from some of the freshmen uh, that are coming on um, DJ Chester is is getting better every day um, you know uh, obviously heard we've talked about him those two guys in particular are making progress every single day so um, those two with with Martinez uh, Bordelon continues to improve every day you know, so, you know, you've got eight guys right there um, that we feel really comfortable about. Chemo's out right now. Uh, hopefully we get him back for the game. Um, he had uh, plantar fasciitis, so we're, we're hopeful. That's a painful uh, thing for your foot, but he's, he's better. Um, but we, we, like, we like what's going on there, and, and, and so typically there wouldn't be much movement, but when you're dealing with freshmen – you know, in part of where those eight or nine are, there's there's movement um, every single day with those guys. Compared to last year, oh, compared to last year, I mean, I, I think we were talking about who the five starters were today. I mean, last year at this time, I, I'm not even sure if we took a poll in here, uh, we probably came up with five different names. Um, so. Um, yeah, we're in such a different place than we were last year, and we should be. There's a reasonable expectation that, you know, you, you, you should have made progress, um, you know, from that standpoint. And it's a lot of it is we started two freshmen, and when you, and when you start two freshmen and you have them go through the, the battles, the ups and downs of it, it allows you some, you know, foundational pins that now you can work around and, and start, you know, plugging in the, uh, the pieces, and we have. You're welcome. Coach, over here on your right, um, got a big picture question for you. Now that we're officially starting year two here, I'm wondering if you see any similarities between this team in year two versus some of your other ones that you've had in years past. Yeah, I, I think every every one that I've been in part of, you know, it's it's kind of like the, the, there's so much similarity in terms of one continuity within the coaching staff, right? I think you start there. You know, having your coordinators back, having your staff back, where the communication is so much more seamless. Um, it allow, Here's what it allows to happen, that people sometimes don't give the, 
the, the credit where it's due, and that is players start making adjustments on their own because they now know the system. They understand what's expected, what they can and can't do. So now, <laughs> now there, there's no like, all right, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, what you need to do is organically do the things that make sense uh, within the structure of that play. And so when they understand the systems and they understand what you're doing, they can start to make adjustments on the field. Now, I'm not saying if they've got contained that they can rush inside and try to make a play. I'm saying that they have a lot more autonomy because they understand the systems. And so coaches now feel comfortable giving that up to their players. Um, and we're, we're starting to enter into that, that area, and that's kind of exciting. That, that happens in year two. The other thing that happens in year two is you're starting to see uh, a little bit of kind of a unconscious competence where the guys aren't thinking about it. They're just doing it because that's the way they're used to doing it. They don't have to think about it. All last year we had to think about everything we did from filling out their questionnaires on their phone every single day. They had to think about that every day to where they were supposed to be at what time. It's now they don't even think about it. They know where to be. And, and when you have that going on, um, those routines, those habits, um, that starts to develop uh, within your program, uh, again, uh, a way of doing things. Um, it allows the whole organization to move quicker. Brian, right up the middle, top. Oh, yes. Just following on that question perfectly, just what kind of autonomy and points of emphasis did you have for Jaden going from year one to year two? You know, throughout the year last year, you talked about him being maybe more aggressive downfield. What kind of things have you seen or, or forced, you know, points to him that, that you wanted him to improve upon in his last year? Yeah, I think the easiest way to describe it is that, you know, like, for example, in seven-on-seven seven situations where we're going against our defense, we tried, we tried, you broke the chair. That's $20. Listen, we're on a renewal plan here. We're trying to get everything taken care of. Uh, it's a slow process. I know, I know, I know. It's crazy. Wow. You should see, yeah. Oh, wow. Rough group. Going <laughs> stones. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with Jaden, what we've tried to do in that developmental process is, like, think of seven-on-seven seven in every throw. Every throw is fourth down. So you got one chance here. And, and I think last year, every throw was first and 10. So it was check down. It was, you know, look for maybe the easiest completion out there. Throw it back shoulder on the tight end, even if he's covered. Push the ball down vertically. You know, let's go make a play down the field. And I think that that development in his own mindset and the way he attacks things is probably where, where we've seen that growth um, in, in that's, that's been exciting to watch. Coach, would, would uh, Mason have been 100% uh, if he could play, if he had ankle injury? Probably not. I mean, he probably would have been in that range, um, and, and we weren't really sure. Um, probably one of the reasons why you didn't hear from us, because um, we weren't really sure where he was. Um, He's still not practicing, um, so at, at the level that, that he needs to be practicing for us to say that he would be 
if I was in front of you today, he would probably be, you know, questionable uh, for this weekend. And, and that autograph session, is that something that a compliance department should have maybe caught wind of? I mean, I know you weren't here yet, but just in general, is that something a compliance department should hear? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't here, so I didn't have enough information. I, I was brought in on the back end of it. Um, so a lot of those things now are vetted through our NIL office. So we're aware of everything that goes on in, in that setting. So we hope that those, those are, first of all, we don't have to worry about those because they're no longer issues. Um, but we would certainly be aware of any of those potential situations. Brian, uh, what updates are, or what information are you getting about the game with this storm that's approaching Florida and that sort of thing? Yeah, we're just tracking it like everybody else. Um, you know, the latest model for us has, you know, um, the, 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 the storm being passed out to sea and, and that, um, you know, the, there'll be some, you know, some light winds uh, on the back end of it. But, um, you know, we're going to keep an, uh, a close track on it. We'll start wet ball drills here tomorrow uh, to prepare for it. Um, but we'll watch it just like everybody else and, and be prepared for whatever the circumstances. But it looks, unless something drastically happens in the next 24 to 48 hours, it looks like it's clearly going to pass through. Um, and it looks like that there's going to be some heavy rain through that area. But, but clearly, unless the model changes drastically in the next 48 hours, it should be out to sea by the time we, we get there. Uh, hey, Coach, uh, just kind of bouncing off the Mason thing just from an on-field perspective, what have you seen, I guess, from the interior line guys like Wingo and Guillory and some of the transfers you guys brought in and how you guys stack up on the interior D-line for this game? Yeah, now let's, let's be clear. I mean, we would love for Mason Smith to be playing in this game. He's an outstanding football player. Um, but we, we really are pleased with the growth and development of, of our defensive line. Um, guys that we haven't talked a lot about, um, uh, Jefferson um, has been uh, outstanding uh, in camp. Uh, we think he's physical, um, plays really strong at the point of attack. He's got a lot of experience at playing at West Virginia, and he's, he's going to be a really good football player. Um, Guillory's been outstanding. Uh, he's... Um, uh, first step quickness is uh, his his ability to to gain penetration. He's going to be a handful, um, and Lee has been probably one of the surprises. Uh, the transfer from Florida has probably been one of the surprises of camp for us. Um, he didn't have a great spring. Um, he worked harder in the weight room, uh, and and he's done a nice job, um, you know, for us in terms of adding to the depth of that defensive tackle position. Brian, you mentioned, you know, sort of mirroring with Florida State. And it seems like maybe one of the ways that y'all kind of mirror each other is the way y'all uh, approach the transfer portal over the last few cycles. What do you think has allowed y'all to be successful in that area? And do you notice anything with maybe how Florida State has gone about doing it that has worked for them as well? Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about the transfer portal for us, um, it's it's not just about um, it's not just about the best player available. You, you have to look at your roster, and and if you're just taking guys 
and, and not giving them space to compete, uh, it's hard to recruit them to that position. So, you know, Florida State lost a, lost a lot of production at wide receiver. You know, so they were able to make a great case for Keon Coleman. I mean, that was a great case for him to go to Florida State because of all the production lost. They looked at LSU and said, well, they got everybody coming back. That's a different recruiting pitch for us if, if we made that pitch compared to Florida State. I think in both our cases, we've been very strategic and, and very pointed on the guys that we've looked at, at the particular positions that uh, we recruited and said, look, there is a spot here for you to compete and have meaningful playing time. Why did you get in the portal? You know, that's, you, you want to play. Well, here is a spot and an opening for you. And we're not going to guarantee you anything. You got to go earn it. But I think we've been very strategic in terms of that and the right kind of guy um, who we're looking for that fits this program. I think uh, both programs have done a pretty good job there. Brian, I'm just curious what uh, success looks like for Harold Perkins this season. Will he still be able to attack the ball and affect the ball the way he did in the past, or, or will he free up some other guys? Well, I think you're going to see him make plays, you know, all over the field. I mean, his plays came from mostly the perimeter. You know, he's a perimeter player that, um, you know, made a lot of his plays, you know, getting after the quarterback. Um, he's still going to get after the quarterback, but he's going to get after running backs and tight ends. Um, and I think that's going to be exciting to watch. You're going to see – you're going to see a, a – a linebacker, um, not a pass rush specialist. And so uh, I'm excited to watch the development uh, of Harold Perkins into that player that can impact the game, not just coming from the edge and, and harassing the quarterback, but from all facets and getting the ball loose and, you know, uh, impacting fumbles and big plays. I, I think it's going to be um, that kind of Harold Perkins. Uh, Coach, sort of following up on Michael's question, uh, with Harold in particular, are you, would you guys be more willing to use him as a blitzer in a game like this when you don't have a presence like Mason Smith in the middle? No, not necessarily. I, I think we're going to be in really good shape uh, internally. Mason just gives you another you know, uh, dominating presence, but we, we feel good about the, the middle of, of our defense. Um, Harold's going to be able to impact the game in, in the things that we're going to do with him. He's going to move around. You won't see him just lining up in the middle of our defense. He's, he's going to be, where's Harold Perkins? And you're going to have to find him, and you're going to have to account for him, just like we're going to have to account for Jared Verse. You know, we're going to have to have a many different ways to, to handle Jared Verse. You know, we're going to have to have slide and tight ends and chips and doubles and all kinds of things. He's, he's that good of a player. And, they're going to have to find Harold Perkins as well. Uh, speaking of Jared Verse, uh, what are some of the challenges he will bring you guys offensively? Well, similar to what I said is that you have to game plan for a player like that. So within your offensive structure, you know, you're thinking about, okay, we're on the left hash. Where is he? Is he on the right hash? Is he on the left hash? Is he to the field? Is he to the boundary? Are we, you know, are we – you know, sliding that way? Are we leaving the tight end to the field? Do we have to motion? So there's a lot more that goes into, you know, just calling a play. You have to be so much more specific. Um, and, you know, look, you're going to lose five or six plays on an average this year, it looks like, with the clock running after first downs. And so if you have to be a little bit more specific to find a Jared Verse so he does not ruin a play, 
then that's what we're going to have to do. Um, and when we get into games where there is a game wrecker, and he is a game wrecker, you're going to have to be more specific. And if that means we've got to slow things down, if that means we have to huddle, yes, we, we know how to huddle. We, we still know how to do that. If we have to do that to communicate where those guys are, we certainly would do that too. Thank you. Coach Brian Kelly sounds confident in his team's preparation so far headed into the season opener. Relatively healthy overall and putting in the proper work preseason. He believes there's a good chance they will perform under the lights in the same way Sunday night and for the rest of the year. We'll be back to close up this week one Brian Kelly press conference presented by Capital One. It's time to score big with healthcare decisions this enrollment period. With a Medicare Advantage plan from People's Health, you get more benefits than original Medicare for no monthly premium. Benefits like $0 copays for primary care and virtual doctor visits, Part D prescription drug coverage, including $0 Tier 1 and Tier 2 generic drugs, a quarterly allowance for over the counter items, plus coverage for hearing aids, dental services, and glasses or contacts. Call People's Health to learn more. 1 855 633 4207. NIL is dominating the college sports scene, and LSU has positioned itself at the front of the pack. But to remain competitive and stay ahead of the rest, we need your support. Bayou Traditions is the official NIL collective of LSU athletics. Join the tradition and become a member by signing up online at BayouTraditionsCollective.com. Members receive exclusive access to LSU student-athletes that you can't get anywhere else. Help ensure LSU remains a leader in the NIL arena. Sign up today at BayouTraditionsCollective.com. Unrivaled content, unprecedented access. LSU Gold, powered by Bayou Traditions, is the only place for exclusive behind-the-scenes content featuring your favorite LSU teams. It's all access to the Tigers, all year long, from pregame warm-ups to post-game celebrations and every moment in between. You can watch LSU Gold anywhere, anytime, and on your favorite device. Go to lsu.gold today to sign up for your free seven-day trial so you can be there for each step of LSU's championship journeys. That's lsu.gold. This is the Brian Kelly Press Conference, presented by Capital One. This week, we begin our game week routine. With the press conference in the books today, season premiere of the Brian Kelly Show coming up on Thursday, 7 o'clock, live from TJ Rims. Hope to see you there. Of course, you can tune in all across the state on the LSU Sports Radio Network, worldwide streaming on the LSU Sports mobile app. Then on Sunday, join us for LSU Game Day, starting our broadcast day off at 4.30 with Brandon Taylor, Marlon Favright, Hunt Palmer. And then we'll go live from Orlando. Doug Morrill and Gordy Rush will join me from inside Camping World Stadium for number eight Florida State and number five LSU. Kickoff just after 6.30 Central Time. Well, that'll wrap it up for us today. Thanks to Gordy Rush and to you for joining us. And hope you'll be back next Tuesday following the Labor Day holiday for week two's Brian Kelly press conference presented by Capital One. So long, everybody, and go Tigers. This has been the Brian Kelly press conference presented by Capital One.